Hi, welcome to Around Town, where we seek to discover insights into places, events, topics, and issues that you want to know about in our great city. I'm your host, Nick Berkfeld, with producer Chuck Luck. Today, we'll be speaking with Ron Roberts, the chief meteorologist at KMAC. Ron, thanks so much for coming on today. I'm uh, so glad to be here. Talk about your connection to Lubbock. I was born in Lubbock. And the interesting thing is I was born in Lubbock on September 7th. That number is kind of a date is big because there was another guy by the name of Buddy Holly that was born in that date. The other interesting thing is the night that my mother went into labor, we had a thunderstorm. I'm convinced that thunderstorm, I could hear that thunderstorm and I'm like, I need to get out and tell people about the severity of the storm. (laughs) What was it like growing up in Lubbock? Great. First of all, it starts with the family. And I had a great family, great father, great mother. And they let me be who I wanted to be. I was the first Roberts to go to college. My thing was, at an early age, in the sixth grade, I wanted to be a DJ. Major in elementary, where I was at school, we had a music area in the library. I got to choose the music the Beatles. And that got me interested in radio. So in 1975, I went to Monterey High School that had a electronics radio program in the morning, and then I would go back to Coronado in the afternoon. What was Lubbock like when you were growing up here? Lubbock has some of the most wonderful people in the world. Smiling is just normal. And being nice to each other, it's just normal. We were really kind to one another. I think it's just the way people are out here. We're in the middle of a big old cotton patch. And yet, people work so hard to make this a nice community, and they have. I think people in Lubbock expect the person that they're walking toward is going to be as nice to them as they are to the other. That has seemed to work for Lubbock for a long time, even though the city now is three times bigger than when I was born. What kinds of dreams did your parents have for you? My dad said to do what I wanted to do because he was a salesperson for Barrett's Automotive. He liked his job. He was very outgoing, very handsome, much more handsome than I am. And when we needed our behinds kicked, we got our behinds kicked because we broke the rules. My mother was gregarious, and I'm more like my mom. I've got my mom's Scottish white hair. That's where that came from. It's just turning from dark chocolate to this white color. And she really encouraged all of us to do what we want to do in our life. I had three siblings. We were taught to be kind to one another. And I think during that time when I was growing up, a lot of families of the size of my family, we just co-mingled and enjoyed being in Lubbock, Texas. After Coronado, how did you decide what was happening next for you? I wanted to be a DJ. In 1968, KSEL television and radio moved to a new building. And so I went to this grand opening. My favorite DJ growing up in Lubbock was Johnny Dark. Johnny Dark would, 95 KSEL, Johnny Dark with Steppenwolf. And I wanted to be that. And so we did the tour and there was Johnny Dark. And I said, I want to do that. So when I went to the Monterey program, it had radio portion of it. I took a tape over to KSEL in 1974, and I was hired to do Sunday morning radio. 
Now, Sunday morning radio was playing all these religious programs, and I had 15 minutes to be a DJ. But it worked because in 1976, I went to KLBK radio at midnight to 6 a.m. to be a DJ. Then I went back to KSEL and worked from 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. my senior year. Went to school at Coronado, would take a nap, do my homework, take a nap, go to KSEL at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's how much I wanted it. And it worked because I became Scott Knight, and that's a whole different story. (laughs) The Scott Knight story is in some ways tied to your time at Texas Tech. Talk about university experience, what that was like. Oh, it was so much fun. I'm at Texas Tech going to school and, of course, in communications, working the 9 p.m. the midnight show now. So I had advanced. Not if I KLCL, what song do you want to play? Love to love you, baby. I said, love to love you, baby. I'm off at midnight. And they loved it because I was a little naughty, but I would also play love to love you, baby. <laughs> I was really on a roll. And if I can't see, oh, these guys, I got their call now for what, excuse me, Chetwood. It's a true story. And I was embarrassed and I thought I was going to get fired. On Monday, I come in and my boss's name was John Krieger. I said, oh my gosh, Ron, can I talk to you for a minute? My air name was Scott Knight. Ron, I was listening to you the other night. Uh, yes, sir. What? I said, yes. <laughs> Mr. Krieger, am I fired? Ah, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. And get out of here and have fun. That was John Krieger. A great boss that understood that you can make mistakes, and it was a mistake. But at the same time, to do that on radio is not against the FCC rules or regulations. I didn't break a rule. I just stumbled. That taught me a big lesson. Be careful. Watch your cadence, get better. And it did. The tech community was always a big connection to the night shows. And that was back when AM was it. It was it before the FM began to take over. What leads into going from radio broadcast into television? In 1983, I was doing my television segments at Texas Tech, Clive Kinghorn. We had this little box that we do our weather on. And I did it with such passion. He said, Ron, you need to do weather on TV. I said, really? He goes, yeah, because you like it. Do you like it? Yes. Tell me about it. Well, in 1970, I was on top of the storage shed behind my house, had my binoculars because I knew this was going to be a bad storm, and I could see the storm. and It looked like an atomic bomb had blown up, seriously. And I remember running down into the living room. My dad's reading the newspaper. I said, Dad, we're going to have a tornado tonight. He goes, okay, son, keep me updated. And he kept reading the paper. And, of course, it happened. It's family lore now. And I told Clive that, and he said, you are destined to be a weather person. So that's where it started. I did an internship at KLBK. The KLBK weather guy quit because they didn't make any money at all. They told me how much it was going to be, $15,000. said, I'll take it. I'll have to get another job, but we'll put you in sales. Okay. And there it is. I'm on KLBK. And it was phenomenal. Five years of great experience with KLBK. Before I went to Austin, that's another different story because I also made a mistake that I had learned from when I moved. How does Austin lead back to coming here? My dad. My dad was dying. Mom and dad, they had just gone to Houston. My dad was not in condition to have a heart transplant. So my dad's dying. I moved back to Lubbock. That was in uh, the summer. And my dad died in October. I got a job at KSEL television. 
doing morning cut-ins. I was on TV again, doing the morning show. Dad passed, and I was in peace because I got to kiss his head two days before he died. I thought that was very important that I show that to Dad. But, you know, the thing is, it really helped me because I started my career again in Lubbock. Coming back from Austin, it was because of my father. Ron, we'll be right back to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. We're speaking with Ron Roberts, the chief meteorologist at KMAC. You then moved to Oklahoma City, taking position in a much larger media market. What was that experience like? It was an incredible period of time. It just happened to be the time that the movie Twister was being filmed in Oklahoma. First of all, Rick Mitchell was the chief meteorologist. He was incredible. Now he's at Channel 5 in Dallas. That tells you something. Rick was very good. I was his second. Learned a lot from Rick Mitchell, but also learned a lot about weather in Oklahoma. Then they do this movie Twister. There comes in, not Steven Spielberg himself, but his crew of people that do all the work. They wanted to ask us all these questions about, well, can this really happen? Like, for example, one scene has cows flying around the pickups, and they said, is that possible? I said, It is possible that the cows could be flying, but the pickup would be flying as well, and they would be dead. We don't want that to happen. I said, well, they don't have the cows flying around the pickup. The cows are flying around the pickup. We thought it was going to be a really incredible movie, and what it turned out to be was, (laughs) that's not how it goes. (laughs) Okay. Got to meet Helen Hunt, an incredible actor as far as a human being. Uh, She kind of looked down on Oklahoma City, I guess because she's Helen Hunt. I got to tell you, Philip Seymour. Oh, gosh. What you see in the movies is him. (laughs) And we were having fun all the time. He was something else. So it was a great adventure to be able to watch that movie happen. What was it like to learn about weather patterns in that area as technology was evolving in the industry? I learned a lot because in uh, Oklahoma cities, they were way advanced over Lubbock as far as how to present the weather. That is where I took a lot of what I learned from Oklahoma City and brought it to Lubbock to make a change. For example, storm units. Keep in mind, yes, the night of the tornado, May 11th, 1970, Bill McAllister was in Idaloo because the first tornado actually set down on what now is Martin Luther King. And I'm going to use the now name better than the old name. Martin Luther King in Broadway. And then it moved northeast. It was going toward Idaloo and it dissipated. It was a storm that formed over Wolferth, which back then was way out there, that created an F5 or now, as we know, EF5 tornado, one of the largest in history. It was like an atomic bomb had blown up. That influenced my thinking all the way through in weather that, okay, we could be hit again. So going to Oklahoma City, we had tornado warnings all the time. And we had all these storm units out there. I'm going, man, it's ingenious. 
So I brought that back to Lubbock where we had storm units out, video. And now it's even easier for our storm units to just stream. That's where that came from. The ability to predict the weather, changes in Doppler, changes in just the overall resolution. What had that been like to see sort of the differences and where that's gone ever since? First radar that I ever used was black and white. But we moved up to what we call the four color, and then there was a flashing light where the turbulence was. That was the, called the Cobaris radar, and we really liked it a lot. We went to the Enterprise radar system. When I came back from Oklahoma City, we got a, our own radar here. Now, the National Weather Service's NEXRAD systems are very complex, and we can see a lot of different things. Kudos to the National Weather Service. Kudos to those who work for the Weather Service because they're better now than ever. It also makes us in broadcasting better because we work in conjunction. It's a wonderful relationship to work with the National Weather Service. So that's where we are now. The technology to slice and dice storms so that we really know what's hitting us. But how are we going to handle our climate? How are we going to handle these more extended droughts, these more exceptional droughts? How are ag producers going to do it? And that's where we are now. So I just focus on re-educating every year. Now, instead of reading the AMS, American Meteorological Society magazines, I can go online. Oh, gosh, look at this research here. Oh, look at this research here. And our researching is so much more advanced, not just in my science, but in all sciences. We're getting better at making forecasts. We're getting better at identifying severe weather. We're getting better. But one of the things that we're not getting better at is trying to figure out how we're going to mitigate climate change as it continues to impact our cycles here. That's tough. As a weather forecaster in a major media market in the United States, one who was quite successful, you could have gone anywhere from Oklahoma City. You could have stayed there. What was it that had you want to come back to the city of Lubbock? I was not a very good husband. I uh, was too centered on myself. There's something about having quick success at 25 and 30 and 32 years old. And then there's maturity as it moves on. I just did not understand really how difficult marriage was. My first marriage failed. I take the responsibility for that. But at the same time, it brought me back so I could be with my children and still do what I love. What had changed about Lubbock since you had left? I think the biggest thing that was changing it was Texas Tech's involvement in becoming and moving toward a tier one university. I was very excited about that because as a Red Raider alum, I've heard enough of the Dirt College and all that stuff. You go back even to Momford and others all the way up to now. Texas Tech has a mission, I believe. We're not trying to be tier one just because we want to be that. We'll be tier one because this area needs it. Texas is tapped out. Texas A&M is too. Texas Tech is critical, not just West Texas, the state of Texas. But I'll tell you the other states, it's critical too. New Mexico, no offense, Texas Tech is a major research university now. And you can go through Arizona if you'd like, and if you want to, you can go to California and kind of see where the level of Texas Tech is today. That is something that's good for our state, Texas Tech. But we have our areas of research that you don't have, UT, and you have yours that we don't have. 
the medical school at Texas Tech. Texas Tech is Lubbock. Without Texas Tech, Lubbock would be a completely different place. As you think about Lubbock and West Texas, what are the things that you're concerned about or worried about will change over time? Here goes, run for the hills, Ron. That's one of my nicknames. We are a very vulnerable climate. Who I really feel for are the ag producers. Keep in mind, they have crop insurance, but that does not give them a profitable year. It helps them just to get through. And our ag producers out here are unbelievable. Many of them are highly educated. So we're going to drip. We're taking less water out of our aquifer, aquifers to recharge. If you go in Lubbock and you want to drill a well in Lubbock, you can go down 50 feet and find water. Why? Because there's not any water being taken out. Aquifer can recharge. So we are learning that. Ag producers are learning that. And they're doing drip irrigation and other types of irrigation to save water. It's a new generation of farming, and they are outstanding at what they do. So I think agriculture will continue to be a major commodity from this area. Another great commodity is coming out of Lubbock. It's coming out of Lubbock, Texas Tech University system that is helping to connect Amarillo, El Paso to Lubbock so that we can give this whole region better opportunities for the population that live out here. And we'll be right back to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. Our guest today is Ron Roberts, the chief meteorologist at KMAC. The weather here in Lubbock and in the region is notoriously difficult to predict. Why is that? Well, because we're on a slope. A lot of people think Lubbock is flat. No, we're on a slope. Every time you go west, level land is 300 feet higher than Lubbock. 300 feet, think about that. If you go to Muleshoe, it's 1,000 feet higher than Lubbock. So we're on a slope that comes off gradually off of the mountains in New Mexico and the plateau of eastern New Mexico. And then it slopes down. And then if you go to the east of Lubbock, you're off the Caprock, that drops 1,000 feet. Well, we need the moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. That moisture in April and March hits that canyon and goes, oh, I can't get up over the Caprock. And as we get warmer and as our landmass warms here in our region, the moisture is able to then begin to get up over the cap rock. And then we start having our thunderstorm season in April, May, and June. We're on a slope. It's hard to get the moisture up here. We only need about 18 inches of rain for this region to be very, very profitable. Before it was production of cotton or other products, this was a grassland area. So that's part of the reason why it's tough for us. We're on a slope, got the cap rock over here. And we're near a desert in Mexico and extreme southwest Texas. So we're in a tough spot. If we can get 18 inches of rain here, this place looks great. And you speak about the dry line. What is it? The dry line is a boundary that separates moist air on the east side to dry air on the west side. Now, believe it or not, we think that moist air, you know, it would be like heavier, if you will. But it's not. Dry air is heavier. Water vapor pushes the atoms apart just a little bit so that it's lighter. Ever go to the Gulf of Mexico? Does that air feel light to you or does it feel heavy? It feels light. 
you go into a cold front, what's that air feel like? It's heavy. It's all about the density. The dry line, by the time we get into May, starts swish washing back. And it was a dry line on May 11th, 1970, that started that tornado in Lubbock, Texas, Lubbock County over Wolferth. The dry line can be so steep that it can produce thunderstorms along that dry line. We've already had some dry line thunderstorms already this season and more on the way. In the past couple of years, there's been an interesting weather phenomena that's been happening a bit more often than it usually does. La Nina, can you talk about that? That's a climate oscillation that happens all the time. And then La Nina, again, we have the trips for three La Ninas in a row, which means that the water is colder, so we don't have as much water vapor to feed our storms when we get them. And El Nino is warming. This La Nina, the ocean is trying to stay in balance. And so when the water is warming, then the water is going to start flipping over to colder water to keep it in balance so that the water temperature is rather stable. We've had trips this before in the past. What's happened in a really quick summary that I think most people will understand, Lubbock's climate is extreme anyway. All we are doing is making our extreme more extreme. And that's what's happening here. For example, when it when that thunderstorm blew up over Lubbock, it didn't just drop the tenth of an inch, it dropped an inch and it flooded everything. And that's the way it is. It is now much more very steep oscillations of the storms. So it makes our weather a little bit more extreme. I'd like to talk about one of the biggest potential setbacks of your career. In 2006, you experienced a brain bleed. Luckily, we had moved really close to a Covenant Hospital. My blood pressure was running on average 180 over 100 per day. And let me just tell you, your listeners, if your blood pressure is that high, go see your doctor now. Get your blood pressure medicine and get that blood pressure to 120 over 80. My doctors told me about this, but I ignored it. In fact, I forget to even take my blood pressure. I mean, ah, it's not going to happen. One morning, you have those days where you really are anxious, you're upset, you have a lot of things going on. I heard a pop, and it was in this side of my head, my right side, and I had an aneurysm. I was stupid, but I probably saved myself because we lived close enough to Covenant. I could see Covenant. I jumped into my Land Cruiser, drove it over the median and into the parking lot of the ER area, opened the door, and as I put my foot down, I fell down because my left side leg was no longer operating. My left side arm was not operating, and I fell. Nurses were out there. Somehow, some way, they were there. They got me in the hospital. And I will tell you, the doctors, the ER doctors were great, but it was the, the neuro doctors was unbelievable, just unbelievable, the care that I received. And they saved me. They saved me. Neuro docs, it was BAs, physician assistants, it was nurses. They kept me alive when I came to and I found out that I was going to live, started working hard. I would go do therapy every day under Dr. Roger Walcott. I'm doing therapy, and there's a group of people over here, and they're doing occupational therapy. And I said, well, my occupation is weather. Where's the computer? They gave me a, a laptop computer. They let me have it so I can start looking at the weather again. Now, do I give some credit to a higher power? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not afraid to tell people that I believe, for whatever reason, 
And I'm not saying I'm better than anybody or lesser than anybody or whatever. I'm just simply saying, I put my faith in Almighty God. I think this guy is pretty undefeated. I'm going to go with him. He helped me. But if you don't believe in God, that's okay. Because at the same time, I also had this attitude, this attitude. I'm not stopping now. I'm too young. I'm too young with my children. And I want to get back to work. And I did in a month. There were some who would doubt you, but in hearing this conversation, there's so many elements of your life about work ethic. Looking back on that journey, how do you reflect on your childhood, the things that your parents instilled in you? You know, I was mowing yards for $5 for the front yard, two more dollars to get the backyard for seven for both, and edging and made money. My dad, he said, that's all your money. And I would make my own money. And so I always felt like, and I still feel this way, you want to be successful in life? Well, then do it. Get off your behind and do it. I know a lot of people have even more difficulty and more barriers in front of them than I did. It may be harder for you, but do it anyway. I had great parents that said, you can do that. My dad would say, hey, Ron, he called me Ronnie, Ronnie. Do your DJ. Okay. Naughty Mike, KOCL, and, and, and the whole family would laugh. So he encouraged me to do what I wanted to do, That those kind of parents. And I, fortunately, I think most parents are that way. Most of them are. Ron, that's all the time that we have today. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for asking. Thanks for listening to Around Town. I'm your host, Nick Burkfeld. This show was produced by Chuck Luck. Our guest today was Ron Roberts, the chief meteorologist at KMAC. Join us next Friday morning at 9 a.m. on 89.1. For more information on Around Town, visit ttupublicmedia.org.